1: This is Adam Sharkoff, host and producer of the podcast Film Wax Radio, which I'm probably best known for, as well as the YouTube version, which I call Film Wax TV. And I'm, I'm most excited about the, uh, the this month is full of great film festivals, including Toronto and New York Film Festival, among others. And so I'm immersing myself in some pretty great films and going to have some wonderful conversations with uh, creative types in the coming days and weeks. And I'm also been working, uh, helping with location work um, on an independent film up in the Hudson Valley where I live. And uh, we're gonna be shooting a couple of scenes up there later this month. So uh,
0: it's a busy time. Adam Shartoff, welcome to the Make It Podcast. Thank you. So,
1: so happy to,
0: to be here. I am happy to have you. You are a podcasting yeah. legend. Over uh, nearly 700 episodes in, uh, we like to pat ourselves on the back for having done about 150, maybe 175, and then we look at a guy like you and we say, "Oh boy, uh, we we are we've done nothing here on the Make It podcast." But uh, I'd I'd like to start with how did Dick Cavett end up in your or, or how did you or how did you end up in Dick Cavett's apartment?
1: okay well you've done some homework so i appreciate that (laughs) um a filmmaker um friend of mine i guess she had a uh, new uh new uh film it was playing at the ifc center in new york city this has got to be about five no probably more than five years ago now yeah six or six six seven years ago you probably have the, the the date there somewhere but and um i ran into dick cavett he was for some reason moderating this q a and i was sitting in the front row because i was such a you know of course fan of dick, dick dick cavett's and um and uh he after the q a we're all hanging out in the lobby and there's dick cavett i mean wh- <laughs> so i went up i said <laughs> Mr. And I, you know, uh, of course, I, I wanted a photo with Dick Cavett. I mean, he was like my favorite talk show host when I was growing up, and um, you know, he had that sort of perfect uh, combination of folksy and 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 esoteric. You know, he was just smart and yet also down to earth at the same time. I liked that very much, and um, and then I, I don't know if you've seen the photo, but. <laughs> So I thought it was, it was a classic at the last moment when they were about to shoot the, take the photo, I just gave him a big kiss on, on his face. And uh, I, I got this expression of horror, but also an element of like, you know, uh, enjoyment, I think. So, but I, I so I asked, um, he's there with like either his wife or an assistant, I can't remember, it's a while ago. And he, um, and I sort of said, look, I do, I do this podcast called film do you think dick cabot would do you think dick would 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 come on she goes ah you know yeah sure i I think it would work it could work out why don't you here's my number give me a call so it's just it's just uh from there on it was just uh patience and persistence and like every like every other guest or you know a famous person usually you have to be persistent but polite and patient
0: yeah you've talked about that in the past how you, you get someone on your podcast that you look up to and, you know, invariably, if you're doing well, you're going to meet someone like that. And you've talked about how you've been nervous to interview people that you look up to. But when you get through with it, you find out they're just people and you get confidence from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely. I'm like, there are guests who could put you at ease. I mean, the, the, um, I mean, I, I think the one I was the most. I, I don't get, I, I should say just a postscript on the DeKalbitt is he did have a new book. So he was also, it, that helped because he could promote it. And it was a collection of his um, articles for the New York Times. Uh, he would write these, you know, humorous opinion pieces. So they were just a collection of those. And he signed it and he said, don't read this till you are till you get home. Because, you know, you'll get emotional. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, and, and, and it said, it really did say something very nice. Uh, it said, you know, you, you're really good at this. And that was a very nice compliment, you know. Um, I mean, uh, it was just a very special thing. And then I got him back on subsequently. But that was, that was the one in his apartment. And I couldn't believe yeah, I was in his apartment and just hanging out there it was, it was a, with Dick Cabot. Uh, you have to. But the one I was, the to get back to your other point um, about feeling nervous or um, intimidated or what have you. And that really rarely happens. Um, it was with I was just a bit worried with Brian De Palma, and I'm not name dropping because I I really don't draw much of a distinction between you know really famous people and 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 unknown names. Um, and um, but with Brian De Palma, I had you know you know he's the cantankerous. He's going to be. He's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> You have to kind of know your stuff. And, and or and also, even if you do, it doesn't really matter. He's done thousands of these and he doesn't want to really do them. He's just kind of going through the motions. But interestingly, the coincidences, is, Chris, is that I interviewed him, if you listen to that show, on my birthday, coincidentally, you know, whatever year that was. And when <laughs> I mentioned at the end, he just came alive. I mean, it, all of a sudden he was really like, get out of here. Then he start talking about you know, Zodiac and all that's very strange, but, uh, you know, go figure.
0: You, uh, you, you, you touched upon one of his passions, most likely he probably is all in yeah. numerology and yeah, astrology I may, perhaps, and I don't know.
1: I'm not, I'm not sure. I, is, I don't know. I've I never met it.
0: anyone who just uh, dips their toe in that Adam. Have, have you like, if you like that stuff, you're all in you 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 just don't, you dive headfirst into the pool of astrology. Absolutely, absolutely, for don't sure. Just dabble.
1: <laughs> no, right. It's a whole it's a whole philosophy of the yeah the way you kind of filter everything. Probably you know it's like through the stars through so and through the, the alignment of planets and stars. Is you know so yeah, it's very different. I don't know if that's the way he is. I really don't.
0: Um, well, I was th- you, make you know I'm thinking point, about though.
1: voyeurism, is more of the way he operates is his, his obsession, but.
0: You know, he watches movies. It, it's a good point, though, because you you can't really act differently because you don't know what the future holds. Uh, I remember us being with the cast of Selma, us being me and Nick, uh, my my co-host here on this podcast, and uh, there was a kid there, and very shy, looked down a lot at his feet, and it, that was Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> so he was the least famous person there at the time in 2015 and he would by far be the most famous person now just fast forward you know five six years later
1: doesn't always change though with fame sometimes it can get worse you know like for the people that are authentically struggle with shyness you know Mm you i don't want to jump the gun but you did send some questions and i don't know if you were going to literally ask these questions but you know it's sort of the answer to my first question of uh, your first question was um, the similar answer it was uh, sh- or you know a th- uh, thing which is shyness um but you know it was like that too is Michael Shannon I was mm-hmm. at a not he was not on my show but I was at a screening and he was in the Q&A and he just stared at his feet I don't I can't imagine he was just trying to be standoffish or uh, being obnoxious, you know, like some people just tune out during q and A. Q&A, that's just seems a betrayal to the director and the producers, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you just you want to. You, if you're going to do it, you engage. But he was like, you know, he did answer questions. I remember very vaguely, but he was like staring down at his shoes the whole time.
0: Like yeah, you said, it's not it's not a neck. That's really Michael Shannon, who I love, by the way. Um, Me too. If he's in it, I'm there. Yeah, that's, that's and my, Michael too, the Michael Shannon. Yeah. And Lakeith yeah. as well. I think, I think yeah. he's really maybe the, the new Denzel, if, if I can be as terrible to say a thing. Like I said, <laughs> Denzel needs to be replaced. He he doesn't. Um, describe growing up in Forest Hills. Like, like what kind of kid were you? Because This is an interesting uh, place. Not quite wow. Brooklyn.
1: None at all. No. And Brooklyn wasn't Brooklyn. I mean, you know, well, it, or Brooklyn was really Brooklyn. I don't, it's become, it's evolved over the years. And, um, because they I've spent so much time. I'm in there. I'm there right now, but Forest Hills. Um, it's a really interesting spot. You in know, some ways it was at the time, it was really all mom and pop stores. You knew all your neighbors. There was an element of it, which was really like old fashioned. Mm-hmm. And I grew up there in the seventies, you know? Um, so it was, and we were, you know, both my parents worked most of the time. So, um, you know, it was me and my sister. We get home from, you know, your stay of school and you run around for a couple of hours every day. Uh, and there was a lot of television <laughs> at the time we watched. Um, the TV was a huge thing back in the 70s, you know. Um, and um, it was a very, felt very safe and in a very hometown. And, and Queens isn't, I don't get the sense of like that that borough, I don't know if you've been there or spent much time there other than airports.
0: Yeah, I've I've been there, and I have been there with the airports as well. Like uh, right, with, with Laquan, but
1: it's yeah. it's got you know, it's kind of a ur- a lot of it's urban. There's definitely lots of exceptions too. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing. But there's only so many places that feel like a kind of an old, like just this old. I always likened it a little bit to the Wonder Years. I don't know why, but it was there was something very maybe it's the time of it. It was very still very, I don't know. Didn't seem to be. Seemed to be in a little bit of a bubble, you know, culturally. Like, I don't remember hippies and forest hills, but I, they, <laughs> you know, I guess. But there was like drugs, and there was, um, you know, disco. Um, yeah. Um, when did you?
0: When when did I'm glad you start I grew up playing there. Uh, guitar. <laughs> when did you get um, into music?
1: Well, I went to a summer camp every year growing up in in um, upstate New York, which was a definitely a very progressive, like. Uh, summer camp politically and, and everybody up there were, you know, either from, from, from maybe the children or grandchildren of serious uh, political families, but, and, but it had to evolve into now that's where there were hippies, the counselors and, and everybody. uh, And we, we just, you get up there every summer and it was like so primitive. (laughs) You just, it's like running around like, but the time the summer was over, you were like a wild animal. And Uh, But it was a great place, and um, I'm very, very, very lucky to have been there those years growing up because it really had an impact on who I turned out to be. And one of the things that was very um, central to that camp was music um, and the time, you know, those years. So I decided to learn guitar, you know, and there were the counselors there who taught me. And then um, when I got home after that first summer, actually, my dad... Uh, started sending me to guitar lessons. I took jazz guitar. Wow. Which was very different than the kind of the folk songs and the, you know, the pop songs I was learning in uh, at the summer camp. And then I would, right. you know, I would learn and teach myself Beatles songs. But I, you know, then I would go in and learn like Thelonious Monk on guitar. I mean, it was a, but it was really great to have those different, uh, and, and uh, you know, those different uh Influences. And then, and then I, yeah, I mean, that was when I, I started when I was 12 or 13 and now I'm, you know, my fifties. So it's the one, one of the few things I can say I've done all my life. I mean, practically, you know, and yeah. I, I get, and, and the, it, it came a new surge of, of, it came during the pandemic. Cause you know, as I'm sure a lot of people developed or just rediscovered things during that quarantining period, you know?
0: Yeah. When you're alone, sometimes you call up your first love. And, yeah, uh, and she wouldn't so, answer, so I so I picked up the guitar <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead. Well, well played. Was the camp religious at no. all? Like, was it buffered in? Because, it, see, so for the audience that that doesn't know, I am here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, and which I have a very strong relationship with. Yeah, and the the thing about camps down here is every camp is is buttressed by a religion, so you you can't have a camp that doesn't also have some strain of religion tied to it. So I thought it was right. really interesting when you said, oh, this camp was political that would never happen in the South <laughs> and or the politics would be no, probably very, not. Yeah. very yeah. hidden underneath the layers of, of perceived goodwill or religion or whatever. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a little fascinating well, the difference in the regions. I, you know, I'm reminded now
1: that you talk about that. Uh, but I, when you, when I was, um, there, you ask, um, all your guests to say a few things to the you know listeners. And one thing you asked uh, me to say was, and I'm sure everybody else was, what are you excited about that's coming up? And, and one of the things I, I, I did leave off was that I'm working on this project that I developed, which is actually oral history. Uh, and I'm talking to the original people that started my summer camp and it's because they really, wow. I, I'm not going to go into details now, this, this is a separate show, but I mean, there were, uh, real amazing families, and 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 some of the people, and I never met them before. I mean, it was before I got there, but it was in the you know six early sixties. And um, it's been this honor to talk to some of these people and to record them and learning. And it may develop into a bigger project, but um, I, you know, it's been an incredible period. Just, and I'm learning so much, and I'm doing so much reading also about the time and about. Um, this period of time in America,
0: you know? It sounds like an amazing project. I, every time I go into the past to try to understand something that I might have lived through the most shocking thing that comes out of it is that my memory of something is worlds apart from what actually happened or what someone else's memory of that thing is. And, so you have to go back and retrace your steps and say, whatever perceptions and attitudes I developed from this experience aren't real mm-hmm. because that thing never happened. Mm. And my childlike brain perceives something that wasn't there. So it's. It, it, I, I wish you the best of luck. It's going to be quite an adventure. Well, you're.
1: Yeah, no, you don't even have to be a child. I mean, um, I mean, people could have been adults, and if you, with the passage of fifty or sixty years, it's just your memory and what is real are hopefully somewhat. There's some, <laughs> some some similarity there but yeah you know those so the way i do it is i've been i talk and i ask questions and you talk to multiple people and somewhere along the line you get what might be truths or you know facts some common thread um Uh, but the camp was not uh, just to finish that that camp was there were a lot of similar progressive camps that were jewish mm. in the you know during this and still exist some in some cases but my camp was intentionally not even though there were probably quite a I'm assuming, I shouldn't assume it, but I think the majority might be, but it was intentionally integrated and it was, there was not a focus on Jewishness there really, other than occasionally like an Israeli folk dance or something. I mean, or if maybe a, like a, a song with Hebrew, you know, some of the Hebrew lyrics, but almost not, entirely not. I mean, which I'm
0: also really grateful for. Yeah. I think, I think that's the point of camp. Uh, having my own kids and sending them to camp, I, I I just I don't want my kids to go to a camp where they don't meet different types of people. It just right. it, it defeats the the entire purpose. Um, before I started my adventure in film and my adventure with this podcast and with mm-hmm. with all the things we're doing around film, I was in a singing group named Solace. You, it's a four part harmony group uh, in the sort of the vein of boys to men a uh, We would we weren't. We could do acapella. We would stand on the street and and on Broadway and collect money and in Nashville. Yeah, as soon as we hit wow. eighty dollars, we were out. We we're like, oh, we made a lot enough of, money for the a night. a lot of
1: wedding, a lot of like you know,
0: not uh, back then. It wasn't it wasn't bachelorette, bachelorette parties produce. and weddings wedding then. <laughs> okay, Nashville wasn't a it city yet. Broadway was still packed, but it was a place where kids hung out and it right. it, it was people from in town that lived there. Now it's a big now you would be lucky it'd be a coin toss whether the person you met was from Nashville or was someone who had moved to Nashville from somewhere else, but you had a, a similar path too. I mean, you're, you're in film now, but you started this band in Boston called Jim's big ego.
1: No, 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 that's not me. Um, uh, but I, I did have a question. I, I, I do have a connection to Jim's big ego, <laughs> but that's not my band. And I, but, um, um, let me ask you. So, when you were performing, do you guys have a corner or something like that on Broadway?
0: We didn't have a corner. What we would do is you know? we would we would. So here was the here was the method. We would take a baseball cap, and you know we didn't have a lot of resources, so we take a baseball cap. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one that had money, and it wasn't that I had money. It's just I was the one that had a job and a car. Okay, well, that's and so money. right. So I would put twenty dollars in the hat. Oh, to right. start off with. That's what they would do, the piano bar, right? And then in the little brandy. Exactly. Ex- exactly. Snifter, whatever. Right. And so I'd, but I'd put that hat on the ground and be on the sidewalk. It's $20 right there. Uh, so you have to be ready because somebody could, could do, could fishing could, could wire. Swine. Never mind. It's too yeah. late. Yeah. Fishing exactly. wire. <laughs> and and we would start out, we would snap it out, and we would probably start with something like still, still of the night. Mm hmm. And we would sing that. That was always a crowd favorite. We'd sing the boys to men version of yesterday by the Beatles. Wow. Yeah. And we would do that. We would do some originals. I'd written a couple of songs that we could do a cappella. We had uh we even did um uh Eternal Flame by the Bengals oh, Acapella. I love that song. Yeah. Uh we've we rewrote the national anthem in four part <laughs> harmony. Like we we would do stuff like that all the time. Amazing. But, but our but our I would say our directionality was incorrect because mm. so we were 20 years old and we just wanted girls like uh attention from females equaled the highest level of success now that still might not be incorrect but along the way you do need to have a career and, oh, right. and all of us were equally career-minded so right but that was what we would do
1: so how far from that was there is the Ryman on broadway
0: uh, the Ryman, oh. the Ryman is kind the of, Ryman, off. Right? yeah, the the, the, oh, mother, the mother church, they say. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right off of, of that. Yes. It's right off Broadway. Um, you could see it from broad. It's a big building uh, yeah. and they've done some great renovations in there. I think there's still some, Oh God, I hope, I, I hope no one hates me for this, but it's still not a place that has like, there are places you can sit in the Ryman where, it is just a terrible seat, Adam. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't see the stage. Uh, there's right. a there's a column in front of you, but yet they put a person's seat there. I think they should just take out all the seats that line up with the columns that are across there. And then it'd be a great venue. The, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the best venues in town in terms of seating and seeing everything and hearing everything is the Skimmelhorn Symphony Hall where you'll have musicians come in and sing with the orchestra. It's It's uh goosebump inducing it's it's in, it's incredible. Yeah.
1: Well I was just trying to figure I was trying to like I know, remember places like Roberts and that I know is still there, but um I was just trying to remember exactly like I know it's a big tourist spot, but um you know now.
0: so so talk but, to me talk to me though. It it well, I mean you mentioned it earlier. I mean these weddings. I mean these these bachelorette oh, yeah. parties it um it's 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 women in large groups making poor decisions,
1: <laughs> like getting married.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like getting potentially <laughs> one bad decision begets the next one, Adam.
1: Yeah, no, no, oh, it's okay, so. it's really funny. I, I, it's just bizarre. I mean, for maybe those who don't know, a few who don't know, Nashville's the the center for bachelorette parties. You know, most more bachelor parties take place in Nashville. Uh, but yeah, when I was the last time I was there, it's been a few years. But I was I was a juror on the Nash for the Nashville Film Festival, and that's mm-hmm. when I found out about that. I got married myself in Nashville.
0: Yeah, uh, that's another question. Was, was that um, um, was that with uh, Karen?
1: Yeah, yes.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, she, she's a, a a proud alumnus from from Nashville. Yeah. Uh, right. Unbelievable actress, Karen Pittman. That's right. She's really,
1: really major talent. Uh, and I think her name will come up again because of some of the questions, but, um, um, just the other thing you mentioned, which, you know, I don't know if you want to want to keep it, but Mike, a very good friend of mine who I met at summer camp, who is a amazing person an amazing writer. I mean, he can just do anything he sets his mind to, um, his name is Jim Infantino and, um, um, he ha- he has the band Jim's Big Ego, and I um, actually I I mean my only connection is I one one time when they were coming into New York City I sang with them at at a at a, oh, okay. at a venue in the in the Village uh, or in the Lower East Side, but uh, that's it. Um, and I have all their albums, <laughs> but I did per- go through in the nineties I wrote an album worth of songs. And I right around the time I was getting married, I was working at Sony Music, and um, and I I was just went through this incredibly prolific time, and I recorded them, and um, so I have a bunch, of, and I performed them around the city, you know, in different places. That that
0: that I did do under my own name, under my own, you know, music name, whatever. I love your podcast intro. Uh, are you set? You playing the guitar in no. the intro of your podcast? No, no,
1: it's not me. I, it's a little bit of stolen music, which you know I I need to one day you know figure out like because i just stole it but i figure it's so <laughs> short that I could probably. one it's, person has identified it
0: uh, what are you willing to share what yeah yeah is? sure i will and i would love to
1: you know I, i've had on I, i've stolen two other pieces if you i mean most of the, my episodes aren't available publicly right now because i'm trying to you know do the patreon thing and that's uh but so, but there were two other little bits of that I stole. Uh, so this is my third, like, kind of theme song, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the, the other two <laughs> musicians that I stole from <laughs> have been on my show since. Oh, And they they were these two songs, two different songwriters. One is named Josh Rouse, who was on during the pandemic. And also another guy named William Fitzsimmons, who, these are all very talented songwriters. Uh and now this one is a little edgier, and it's by a band called the Kills, mm, not the yes. Killers, which are right. far more known, I guess, but the kills it's a great and it's a great song um, I like the great lot. riff yeah, it's a really great riff and I, familiar I was, but
0: unique at the same time
1: yeah, I like the I just wanted something a little bit more grab your t- you know it's important, right like that kind of you're trying to set a again a little bit of a a message, I guess. When you all set these choices, you know, set a
0: tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So you worked at Sony Music. Uh, you were you were dealing in music on, on as a career. What inspired this? Uh, you know, why transition from music to indie film?
1: Um, well, when they. When security was walking me out of the Sony Music Building, I just thought I should do something else.
0: Okay. I have to ask you how security no, the escorted you uh,
1: out of Sony. I, I may have embellished a little bit. There was no security. Um, I, I, But I was laid off uh, ultimately after being there for about 10 years. Um, and I had already kind of expressed uh, interest to. Uh, Trying to I had been trying to pivot already into I had to had an informational quote unquote I'm doing hashtags uh, with with the Sony Pictures office, which was in the building, Sony Pictures classics. And they just kind of looked at me like, huh? You know, like um I really had nothing to offer except that I worked in Sony music and um, I wanted to get into the film side. So I had already kind of, and I had a meeting with a very great, a great friend and producer named Jack Lechner, who's been on my show. Um, I would, you know, not by product of doing a show like mine. I just can bring everybody that I know eventually onto my show. Uh, But um, so I had been, I was trying to figure out how to do that. And then when I got, when I lost my job at Sony, I really was, Chris, I was completely lost. I had no idea. And, you know, from a professional standpoint, meaning like a business-minded standpoint, I really never quite figured it out, even since. I mean, I I kind of know what my passions are. But, you know, other than uh, like having a salaried job where I report every morning, I really don't know a lot more like (laughs) after doing this, this kind of promotional work that I do. Um, And I do other work too. Um, But, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's still, it's still, I'm not really, that's not my strength. I need somebody, you know,
0: like with a business sense to partner up with, you know. Did you ever consider moving to LA or just moving out of the New York scene as a way to sort of, dig deeper into acting and, and indie film or film in general?
1: No, um, there was, a, when I was considering leaving New York City, you know, over a year or, or a year and a half ago, when I started thinking of moving out of New York City, and I'm a lifelong New Yorker, essentially. I mean, I did live, I, I did live in Boston for a short period of time when I was going to school, but uh, I, 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 I really, I just didn't see how I could make LA work, you know, um, and then I have a kid and, um, I was, so I went last year I was grappling where to move. I, there, I had two choices. One was the Hudson Valley where there was this lot going on arts and, you know, people I knew up here, up there, I should say. And, or LA and at the time, Karen and my son and his sister, he has a half sister were there. And so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I should move to LA and give it a try And then, you know, I I didn't know how long she would be there, but I I just, and then she came back here. So it's like, (laughs) uh, she's got a job now here. So thank God I didn't. And also, yeah, I can't, I have to be near my kid, you know, that's like, that's, that's all the, there's no, I mean, unless I, unless somebody handed me a very lucrative job. Yeah, I could do that, you know, and then I can, you know, make it work. And he's, he's not the little pipsqueak anymore, so but it's a very long-winded answer to your question. Uh, I just think New York City is kind of where it makes the most
0: sense to be. And I'm
1: close enough to get down in there anytime.
0: Right. And and the only reason a lucrative job would work is because you'd have the money to continue to fly back to see your to kid that, over and over, and bring over again. bring him
1: out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And provide him things that would make me feel less guilty about not, not being with him too right well like it, he's, he's okay with that if i'm buying a you know fancy computer or a, you know it's like all right that'll dad you can i don't have to see you you know Just, <laughs> it,
0: it's no he's uh, not a materialistic it, it's a big deal um obviously i mean to to be near your kids and you're a parent um, right you said yeah oh yeah three i have three three, three kids i have a daughter, son, and a daughter. So, uh, it's, uh, in that order. So what I What see, is the age range? 21 oh, wow. to 12, 21 okay. to 12. So I got a 12, 18 and 22 year old or 21 Ooh, year old. Sorry. That's amazing. Yeah. So my, I? I guess my kid is now 17. Yeah. So we, we, you know, offline we'll chat about, yeah. we'll, we'll trade war stories and chat about strategies on how to, uh, get them to come over more often and make sure that uh, we stay in their lives and are able to give them the wisdom, impart the wisdom we want them Mm -hmm. to have uh, as we go into our sage age. Uh, All that to be said, there was a decision, I think, Adam, for you to make because you, um, you created Film Wax Radio. You're at sort of the... Beginnings of podcasting. I think one of the coolest things is that you're kind of like three years off of the origins of podcast. I think the first podcast was 2006 ish, 2007, and you came in in 11. That's not most people weren't even listening to podcasts in 2011. You were kind of ahead of the game. Well, it's but true, you, but but you made a decision to to I guess as you put it, be the front line of. Fighting for indie filmmakers. So, why did you pick indie filmmakers to fight for and, and be the sort of front line for them in terms of promotion and media? Um, right. Well, first of all, Hollywood doesn't need my help.
1: It's funny, point. It's but a it happens point. to be very true. Yes. Um, so that's part of it. I mean, uh, and, and then um, it's a it's a there's a there's a nuanced answer to it because. Um, you know, one 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 thing is like I was doing my I, I I found this person, a friend who had a bar in you know it's this common story now where I knew this bar owner and he had this beautiful back room in the bar where. With because he had music shows, you know, yeah. performances, and so the sound was great. And Then he installed the projector. He said, "Adam, I just installed a projector. We should show films." And I, I said, "Great, I could do a little, maybe a series here on Sundays or something like that." He said, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's just make it happen." So that's that's the origin story. Of, and I, I came up with this name, Film Wax Film Series. Um, that's the birth of Film Wax. The name started before the podcast, and and then um, and so I just story started story behind. Why Film Wax that you can I, There share? is not really. It's just, it's as arbitrary as I was walking down the street and I just was mulling over names for what I could call my series. And I thought, I'd like the name Film in it, but it has to have a name that pops a little bit. That was it, basically, you know, film this, film that. And then for, just came into my head was Film Wax. I have no, you know, other... Better explanation for it. It just it was an arbitrary thing, and then um, it didn't necessarily mean anything when I
0: thought of it. But it it since becomes you know like I when it's you a, wax, it's a double entendre, if not a triple entendre. It's it's really quite brilliant uh, because in That's music we say putting it on wax, right? So in music know, we, we I, record that, something, put it on wax, then yeah. There's but, the, we're listening to something, so it's the wax in your ear. <laughs> right. Yeah. All There's these things are all kinds, are, kinds of things. It's so amazing. you're, yeah. That's up to the listener to interpret. The interpreter or the person who.
1: Yeah. My thing was it devolved into like I know that waxing philosophical about wax about something to, to think word. or talk about something is what it means. So yeah, that works because even the film series was really more about the conversation after the film. Right. You 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 more than anybody can uh relate to that. It's yep. it's a catalyst for for a conversation. And I um the so you know, because you can watch a movie on your phone, you know, on the subway if you want to, but, or, you know, um, it's just, so the, what do you want, what do you need a film series for or a festival? Because you're you're going to meet new people, you're going to connect, you're going to have a fun, or at least a somehow nourishing conversation and you're going to meet the filmmaker potentially, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and so for that, when I, when I, was approached by this uh, internet radio platform. And uh, so it was really doing that before it became a podcast for a little while. Uh, You know, they were like, we should just use this show, do a talk show and promote your film series. So it's kind of started from there. So that was my way in, was also through independent film from from doing the series and then Uh. doing the talk. So it kind of was an, an organic thing. I didn't think it through like, oh, I want to do this or that, um, make a choice. Um, and then, you know, the slow build, I had to start very, very, very local, very, you know, grassroots. So I invited literally the first people on my show or people I knew filmmakers, local filmmakers that I just happened to meet. And I started there, you know, and this is the timing of our conversation. I'm not sure when you're posting it exactly, but, um, is really interesting It's literally this coming week, is my tenth anniversary of FilmWax. You know, you, I started in September. The first recording I did was on September fourteenth with this guy named Zachary Levy, who made this film called Strongman, and um, which is a documentary, a very very type of documentary. And I just literally uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, I sat, I did a Zoom with Zachary, like a kind of a catch up, um, and I'm going to have brief conversations with some of the, my original guests as a way of celebrating 10 years of catching up with all these original guests that I That's brought awesome. on and reminiscing a little.
0: And yeah. Um, how, how has uh, that changed though? Like from, you said early days, you just brought on people that you knew. How has how booking guests? Cause you've had over 800 guests. How, how has booking guests changed Same. from the early days to how well, you do it now?
1: Well, I, I didn't
0: really know
1: like I was writing uh, before the podcast, I started writing reviews for for this uh, one of the, one of the founders of IndieWire. Right is another old camp friend. His name is Mark Rabinowitz. and he he and Eugene Hernandez and one other person who I'm, I'm sorry to forget her name, but there were three founders of IndieWire. I apologize because, uh, but I, I I have a friendship with Eugene and I have a friendship with Mark, and then. Mark had his own blog. And so he's like, well, I have a blog. If you want to write, I can get you press credentials. So, you know, he went to the New York Film Festival, Tribeca, stay local. And so I started to understand through these reviews. And I didn't like writing reviews. But I I started to understand how you work with publicists and the mechanisms in place. So I just, when I broke into doing FilmWax radio, I reached out to certain publicists that I already had a relationship with that knew me through my articles that I wrote through for Mark. And right. I said, I'm going to break out and create my own little outlet here. Do you, could you get me some guests? And so that's how I started. So I started working with, with a handful of publicists. And then from there, once you start building guests and then the next thing you know, and my, and I got along with people. So they, they like to throw me a Brian de Palm. <laughs> so, so you start to build a, a guest list that's, becomes more recognizable people started to know me through the film series and they and i became this known as a champion of independent film as you have been saying and i'm uh which is was a great i didn't think about it i didn't plan it to like to be like known in this way but it really has been a benefit because people perceive me as somebody who's helping them and helping the this genre this type of film
0: yeah, and you've alluded to it a few times, but it's true. Uh our yeah. missions our missions are aligned. I mean, what we do on this right. podcast and what you do are very similar. It's and it's good that we're having this conversation just for lots of reasons, but but maybe none greater than the fact to just show people that this isn't a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. That, that you can link arms and link forces and and be uh more powerful on the other end of that than than saying, oh, I don't want a guy who does what I do on the podcast. No, let's bring him in. He's been doing this, he's a master at it. Let's 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 make this thing happen. Um, I'm wondering what are the least known festivals that you think deserve wider notoriety and, and why?
1: Um Right, where the average people haven't heard of. I mean, uh, I think the, the the overall majority of festivals, like if you don't live in this, uh, well, if you're not you or me, and or if you don't um, live near this particular festival, you, know, you probably will never heard of it. So, uh, well, you know, I say, well, the Nashville Film Festival is such a wonderful.
0: <laughs> it is. It really is. It's grown up quite a bit. Yeah, I would no, say it's it, a hit it festival now.
1: Yeah, for sure, no doubt. Uh, and I, I, I mean, it's a hard question to answer. Um, well, there's there, yeah, there are some really great film festivals um, that uh, that I, I have uh, had the pleasure. I mean, I will say the last film festival I went to in person, and Michael Moore doesn't need my help, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, by any stretch. But that festival was really fun, um, and I really enjoyed my time at Tra- in Traverse City. That was the last one that I, I went to before the pandemic. I've been doing them all since from home. Right. Yeah, we did. But them all I do plan last you know, year. Yeah, and then the Woodstock Film Festival is up is the one that's near me, and I do think it's the. the I like that festival. Uh, the vibe of the festival is really wonderful. And it's um, it's so close to New York City, uh, so you know people should definitely check it out. Um, and I just had a conversation with uh, I don't know if you know Melanie, Melanie Addington, but she was at that this in, she's in a really like a regional film uh, film festival person. She's in the, the executive. She was the executive director of the Oxford Film Festival in Mississippi, mm. not the Oxford in England. Right. And then now, but she recently took over the Tallgrass Film Festival, which I have not. Experienced yet, but I'm going to just check that out. Um, right, but you know, on like that. Nashville, yeah. But you know, there and then I have my friend Alan Lafave has this wonderful film festival in Central Michigan called Hell's Half Mile <laughs> Music and Film Festival. <laughs> Hell's Half Mile. That's so two Michigan film festivals. Uh, but but and then Indie Memphis. Yeah, that's um, up. Is, is a great. Yeah. And, um, I mean, these are like for your listeners who maybe don't know festivals really well, but I'm just going to mention some, like these festivals that, um, they don't, again, most of them don't need my, my help, you know, um, I'm just sort of realizing there's just, I I, kind of just like bonding and making connections with, 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 with the film. So like, you know, getting to know the people that run some of these festivals and, um, it's been such a pleasure, you know, it's, it's so, it's such a, um, uh, um, you know, not to sound, I don't know what the word is saccharine or anything, but I really, it's just such a gift, you know, to, to, to uh, honestly, to, to, to meet all these people and, um, and to talk to them and get to know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, so I'm, um, well, I, I don't know, know that you'll,
0: I know that you'll never do it. You'll never, because you mentioned earlier, you don't like to name drop, but you you talk about meeting all these people. Uh, You have interviewed Jason Schwartzman, Dick Cabot, we mentioned earlier, Gilbert Godfrey, Crispin Glover, Tom Noonan, Henry Rollins. Is there any story you can share from these interviews that stands out to you? Anything uh, fascinating, troublesome, interesting, notorious? Boy,
1: I wish I had done a little bit more of uh thinking through the, uh, some of the, some good anecdotes, cause I'm sure there've been quite a few. Well, you know, like you mentioned Tom Noonan and um, if you, if you go to the YouTube channel um, that I have, you know, which is youtube.com slash radio, it's, it's, there's a, a Tom Noonan's is, is on there. And, you know, I started to, <laughs> who uh he was really they were re releasing uh and what happened was this kind of seminal indie film he made you know i think in the early 90s or mid 90s somewhere and they were really re-releasing it and um a new print etc and um i started to, to set it up you know as we're on the zoom call <laughs> and, he, and he's interrupting he what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm just letting, I'm just, just giving a little bit of a synopsis. He goes, well, you're giving the whole film away. <laughs> he's kind of imposing. I know him cause he's been on the show. You know, I've known, I've met him before and I've been in his apartment. So it's not like I, I, and I feel like, see, if you're really good at this, Chris, at that moment you realize here's an opportunity for some fun. Right. You could really have fun in the moment. Because you've got a potentially really awkward moment here, and and like, how are you going to respond to somebody getting annoyed at you, like like Tom Noonan? So you should just watch it to see how I sort of. I didn't think to myself, yeah. And this is why you know, and to a bigger point, you just keep growing as an interviewer because you realize, okay, I'm also now providing entertainment, and I'm it's on camera now. It's not just audio, but right. even if it was, like, you just have to keep being in so in the moment, right? Like so present and so engaged in the moment. And so it helps being funnier. It helps being smarter, thinking on your feet faster, all these things. And, and so those moments are, are really invaluable. Like, you know, the, the difficult moments, the, the, the bizarre moments um, take advantage of them, um, you know, and risk take some risk doing them. Like, you know, maybe you'll piss somebody off. I don't know but you know, don't do advice. it intentionally. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it intentionally to piss off your, that's not the right way, but you know, um, and uh, okay. Kenneth Brown, I, I will name drop. You didn't leave, you didn't include him on that list. That turned out to be one of my favorite episodes ever. I was still hung up on this ex-girlfriend Yeah, and she kept texting me. I'm a little chubby now because of COVID and everything I will say, but, but I was a little thinner. I, I, I just looked, I kept getting stopped. By people that sort of knew me, and said, Did anybody ever tell you you look like Kenneth Branagh? And I would say, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, uh, it's happened. So when I went to meet Kenneth Branagh for this, the Shakespeare, the one he did where he's placed William Shakespeare, it's about three years ago, Not maybe not even three, maybe two. Um, I was in alone with Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> and the first thing I said is, You know, my, girl, my ex girlfriend says that. <laughs> he got such a kick out of that. He, it was such a pleasure talking about it. it. was so easy. And, um, I wish that was done on zoom rather than in person, but no, it was great that it was in person too, because, you know, the connection was so, was so great. Um, or just you wish you had a camera in the room. Well, you know, we did get a again. I do the photo like three off, cameras even. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It would have been great to do that. Uh, but you know, being alone, uh, Al Measles, and, and the, towards the end of his life and uh was you know, remarkable in his office uh you know you know the guy who did uh great gardens and and uh you know so many other classics uh the salesman you know um real unbelievable and then um yeah you know i'm trying to think of who else uh, that, that I was just uh, remarkable experiences um yeah. I don't know. There's, there's so many. Um, and then you, you develop relationships sometimes with people, friendships, you know, that you could never have imagined, you know, uh, Barbara Koppel. And, oh man, I talked to Liv Ullman. I mean, that was, sometimes, you know, that's another thing like with Werner Herzog or Liv Ullman, like, you know, my parents love those foreign films. They, I grew mm-hmm. up with them watching Fellini and, and Bergman and, and then to, you know, to be sitting across from them, just uh, and be able to tell them about that. You know, not that we're not really cared them much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it look, I it, I appreciate every moment of the, of this job and doing this work, and that's mm-hmm. a, what you mentioned is a is a huge huge part of it. Um, you have all this experience, and in, in not just in film, but in music, and you've lived a couple of lives through. Uh, That professionally, Uh, and then you've gone through a lot personally as well, and have a lot of rich experience there as well. Uh, What are the two best pieces of advice you've received? Yeah, and who did you? you, Who did they come from?
1: Great question. Uh, All right, when I started the internet radio, when FilmX Radio first started, um. I was given advice by the producer of this show, of the of the internet radio show station, and she she said it in as nice as she could, which was nice. She said, "You know, you should really know the answers to the questions you ask. Mm. In other words, prepare, do the homework, and because um, at the beginning I was just sort of inviting people I knew on in a lot of cases, and we're just laughing and having a good time." I don't, nobody cares. Nobody, very few people care about that. When If you're not famous and I'm not, and I wasn't. (laughs) So nobody cares about listening to people joking around and laughing and not being like, people listen because they want to get something from it, you know? Um, And maybe there's exceptions, but so she said this, I was defensive, probably more in my head than I was to her, but I wasn't listening to her. And, um, but it did seep in, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so- um so i really that ha- you know so so thank you donna zimmerman and um you know i i ended up leaving the that you know um station or whatever you want to call it the the website this the station bbox uh, and breaking out on my own with the podcast but um it stuck with me and i, I really do look back at that it was a great piece of it. i know your answers uh which just doesn't, doesn't really anything mean anything more than do your work homework right right you know just, and there's homework that you can do specifically and there's homework for the in the broader sense which is just immersing yourself in your subject matter you know and uh having a really deep and and it's like the 1000 hours that that Malcolm Gladwell talks about you know it's just you know some of that you just have to just do it you know watch the films or you know subscribe to whatever trade public I mean whatever you do it yep. uh the other the other is advice, the other person you said too, right yep um he, we and I said we'd circle back to Karen, my ex wife who you know uh, um, doesn't come up on my show but but i i I will say from observing her uh as a as a craftsperson as an artist is the the amount of seriousness and approach to the work and not going out and being too distracted, not going out to the parties yeah. there, that does happen, but it's also part of the work, you know, for her, you know, like she doesn't just, she, does, she goes home and takes care of business, you know, and doesn't show up unprepared. Um, and so it's, again, it's, it's, it's preparation it's taking the work, you know, um, I felt kind of ironically really stupid when I, couldn't find the zoom link for us at the very beginning. I mean, I was like, here it is. I'm going to talk about how I do all this preparation. So this doesn't happen. And so, yeah, that's those things. All all good, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no worries whatsoever. Um, is there anyone in podcasting or in film that you admire and, and would love to emulate, uh, is there anything they do from a technical or skill standpoint that makes them stand apart or are above the rest?
1: Well, you know, there, as I think, you know, when the people that influence you don't have to do the same thing you do, although they do, like we mentioned to Cabot, which was nice because it does, he does have that kind of thing I, I relate to, you know, where you can, you know, not be ashamed of being somewhat intellectual at times or, you know, but also be just down to earth and not be pretentious, you know. Uh, so, so he's in there and I was right. I would jotted down some names here, uh, also because you had a, there was one question I thought might come up, which is, you know, um, who might've had an impression or, and, and, you know, or maybe this was under advice to those, like, like maybe doing this kind of stuff. And I just play, you know, watching the greats and, you know, whoever you consider the greats, um, you know, um, and I, and I, and for podcasting, you know, It's, I did put down Mark Maron, but I don't really listen to him much because I don't want to be influenced in more specific types of ways. I know exactly Um, what you mean by that. Yeah. 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 So I used to listen to him and then he would get on somebody who I was trying to get on. I would be real pissed off about it. So I just stopped listening. (laughs) I got very jealous. And then he started becoming a movie star, which made me more jealous. So, and then, but I was thinking, you know, like, and then there's like, you know, like, you know, just the, the talk show was a Cabot letterman had his thing, you know? And, um, I wrote down also Terry gross, because, you know, these are people that really know how to talk, you know, and listen. And then the podcast also, you know, is really great as far as just putting together a really amazing type of, it's scripted, but it's, it's an incredible show is Karina Longworth, you know, I don't know if you know her, her Hollywood history stuff, but, um, I'm gonna check it out. Hollywood, please. Yeah, you must remember. It's called. You must remember this, and it's. uh... But there are people there that have influenced me in terms of like being able to access and 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 I don't know. I I probably take me a while to think of everybody, but there's so many people that that I've you know been impressed by in some way, and then I emulate. You know, definitely.
0: Right, and you have to be careful because you don't want to emulate them so much that you lose sight of who you could be individually. But those inspirational people are important in your life to help you know that what you want to accomplish is is possible. Right, yeah, for for sure. For me, Debbie Millman sticks out because she is such a good interviewer. And you talk about being prepared for an interview. I mean, she really knows uh, what she's talking about uh going in, in 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 every interview, but the but she approaches it as if <laughs> she doesn't. She she approaches it almost like they're just having an afternoon tea and that is harder than it looks uh for for sure. We've probably said this ad nauseum, but you've mm-hmm. done quite a few podcasts in your day. If you had to sit down with someone that was net new to podcasting, what would be the first three things you would teach them? I said, Hey, Adam, I want to start a new podcast. Uh, What are the first three things I need to do or need to know?
1: Well, I mean, I guess it, you know, identity is, is knowing, you know, what you're, what you're doing, like what you're kind of figuring out who, who you are as a podcaster. I mean, if you're hosting it, I suppose. Right. Yeah. We're talking about, are we talking about any kind of podcast? Because
0: yeah, Yeah, I guess guess
1: audio podcast. Well, yeah. Well, and I just thinking about, you know, there are scripted ones and then there are kind of more, you know, improvised ones that are conversations, you know? Um, And, um, and we're not also talking about technical stuff because I suppose anybody can learn that. Uh,
0: well, no, we can we oh. can go into that. We can go into technical. I I think if someone was net new to podcasting, so here here are the conversations I've had. Maybe this contextualizes it a little better for yeah. you. I have people that think that it's very very easy. That oh, you start a podcast. Oh, everybody does that. Oh, that, that. you just uh, right. turn turn on the microphone and talk, right? Mm-hmm. And my response, if I give one, is well, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And if you want, and, and do you want your podcast to be good? <laughs> do you want it to be consistent? Do you right. want you know what, what outcomes do you want? Because yeah, I can, I can download anchor the anchor app and speak into it and, or I can show up on right. clubhouse, but there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, so does that help? Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, use your i mean i would i would do a podcast uh that is around your one of your passions or your your greatest passion because you have the greatest chance of connecting with uh, with other people whether they're interested in that particular passion doesn't even always matter it's a matter of your level of enthusiasm you bring and of yourself Mm -hmm. you know um i think you've got to really really be for i mean if if you're if your intention is to get an audience, you know, it really can't hurt to have some sort of business ideas in mind. If, if you're going to try, if, if you are going to try to monetize. Um, So then that takes a lot of work because man, when I started, I I really just, I mean, it didn't, I had (laughs) no idea, no idea what to do. And I've, I've been able to monetize throughout, you know, at different times, but it's not the kind of show that's ever going to really make me, you know, that much money. It's a, I, what I do is a relatively niche type of show still. So you, you decide what, what, what are, you, what are you, who are you trying to reach? You know, and um, like, are you, are you trying, what are you trying to achieve with it, Which is kind of connected to what are you trying to achieve with your podcast? Are you trying to make money? Uh, are you, cause you know, then there are very specific things you're going to have to do. And, um, um, or are you trying to reach a particular audience despite monetizing your show? And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I fall. My idea was to reach just, you know, get amazing guests, you know, right. Really great people and be able to build up enough of a, of a way of doing that. That's very, very
0: good stuff. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. You've marketed and, and spoke about marketing and, and sort of the idea of uh, publicity around independent films a lot. And one of the things I've heard you say, and we've said this before, now you say it in a different tone. I almost get the sense that you say it in the sense of, hey, you're an independent film. Of course, you don't have a marketing and publicity budget. Whereas Nick and I will say, you need to have a marketing and publicity budget like cut something else and make sure you have those funds. So if I had, if, I, if I'm an independent filmmaker and I have five grand, is that five grand better spent on a publicist or on social media marketing, in your opinion? Publicist. Fascinating. Can you talk I about may be wrong. Why? I mean, because,
1: uh, well, it's not completely independent of uh, social media. Are those two, because um, some publicists do work with social media as part of their package, but for. Um, but I think that a, a real a publicist will get you much more um, broader attention, I think, you know, um, and can kind of skip, I, I think, a certain amount of steps. I, I mean, right? Because with social media, you're building from the ground up, right. it takes time. That's
0: my, well, my, it, my, 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 it, it's also ad spend to, it's like, it's like with the publicist, you get the social proof that you need to, to sort mm-hmm. of create the network effect of eyeballs on your film or show. Yeah. Whereas with social media, they, you know, the users of social media are accustomed to seeing ads. So there's no social proof there. It's just, Oh, here's an ad. Let me go past right. it. Right,
1: That's true. And I think you have a real partner. I mean, if you find the right publicist, um, and I I know some really great publicists in the film world, and I'm a publicist in the literary world. I mean, this is something I haven't touched on, but I, because it's sort of like what I do in secret, although it's not something I'm I'm not willing to share. I just, it just doesn't enter the typical conversation, but I work with authors too, uh, for more from a publicist, you know? And I absolutely say, if you're doing a fundraiser, or if you're raising money, absolutely include that. So, you know, don't, it's not, don't make it all about production or post-production costs, uh, uh but also well, or consider it a post-production cost because what's the good of making something terrific, like a, a film or, or a book, uh, or an album or whatever, if, if nobody's knows it exists like that, that that's, um, so it's really important, and a good publicist can help also from a networking. Can help you in so many ways that are kind of like not official. You know, what I mean, like they believe in you. They're they're gonna, you know, they might help you find an agent, or they might be able to connect you with a distributor or a uh, salesperson. I don't know. You know, it's it's a good way to build some excitement around your film and some some yeah. You
0: know, we, we've momentum. done it. We've done it both ways on our films and. I, I guess the answer might be somewhere down the middle. That's a really convenient answer for me, mm-hmm. but, but listening to your answer, it might be more 70, 30. Like my experience with a publicist in our film, another version of you was wonderful. And I could immediately see the social mm-hmm. proof paying off with that film. And then with our genre film we did called All Light Will End, it's like a psychological thr- thriller mm. horror. The money we put in on social media marketing on that, because it was a horror film and we could show some pretty exciting and gory things in a trailer, that did really well on social, where we were able to spend mm. very little money but get millions of touches and impressions and clicks. So like, I think right now, even though the movie isn't rated very well, I believe it's like rated four stars on IMDb. It has over a thousand reviews, which is unbelievable that is for amazing for an independent film. So that was, uh, you know, I'm, so maybe I'm, the always, answer- I'm always wanting to learn Adam. That's the key.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And maybe the answer is there's no cookie cutter answers to things. Like you have to kind of always think on your feet and be, and, and be willing to pivot and don't, you know, there are sometimes benefits of, I suppose, some people, you know, kind of copy their own formula every time. But there's also a benefit in being open to, uh, you know, approaching each each project separately as a different thing based on exactly how you
0: described it. Yeah, ex- exactly. And uh, we have we did really well with the social media marketing on our on our comedy, Adult Interference, as well. But it came out at a time where Trumpism was starting to, to bubble up and, and maybe be one year in. And people were getting hyper-political and, and sort of hyper-activist. Uh, and this is an a 80s, early 90s raunchy comedy. Uh-huh. And there was almost a, a Randian response to humor where it's like, oh, you don't take your life seriously. And it's like, <laughs> chill out. I think I, I want to be in a place again where people are willing to laugh and not take everything so seriously. So, I, you know, I, I hope we get there. Um, speaking of uh, having a good time and uh, having a wonderful conversation, learning things, I, I have to say, I've done that with you today, Adam. This has been great. Mm-hmm. You've been wonderful. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, on the internet, where they can listen to some of your work, where they can see some of your work. I know you mentioned your YouTube page earlier, but remind us where can we dive into the world of, of Adam Shartoff?
1: <laughs> well, filmwaxradio.com will, is sort of a landing place, I suppose. Um, but the, the, sh- the audio version of the show is available on, you know, pretty much all of the, uh, on the, uh, podcast apps at this point, uh Spotify and Stitcher and you know Apple and uh yeah. So filmwaxradio.com um on the major all the all the apps. Um and then on iHeartRadio I like, met Audible Amazon Music and then uh the YouTube show I want to repeat because I'm trying to definitely build that. That's YouTube.com slash radio and then uh you know on Facebook under film Wax radio or my name uh i think it's just adam shartoff uh and uh and twitter and instagram as well so i post i try to you know i'm trying to get it better at making clips now for instagram and it's fine if, look at you <laughs> it's, i i really just then <laughs> another guy was telling my friend of mine was telling me tiktok man and i'm like please just i know these things have an a and they're effective so it's just
0: a matter of yeah you know. I, I think tiktok just overtook youtube for time spent really on the yeah. platform viewership now that's great for guys like me and you that are creators
1: yeah for sure
0: but it, but i do weep for the future
1: uh <laughs> i need to take a little tutorial for it because no but i i do know that and i know it's like it'll it's left you know, Instagram in the dust. I have heard that too. So TikTok is definitely because. Well,
0: yeah. When you, when you beat YouTube, you're, you're really doing something. That is um, incredible. That, that That's very incredible. And I'm just going to spell your last name for everyone. That's S-C-H-A-R-T-O-F-F. So Adam Shartoff and Adam, we'll, we'll leave it with this. Uh, you live in rural Hudson Valley. You're surrounded by mother nature. You have a, Palomino horse, a mini horse, an emu, a llama, a donkey. I do not have, have those chickens. things. Chickens. They're my neighbors, though. Your neighbors, so yeah. You're around Mother Nature, I should say. Then, and you do have a. Did I see earlier that that uh, that dog was that Bella? Your dog Bella. That was, was not again. I. Uh, that was another. That was Karen's Jacob. dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the kids. Yeah. yeah, Jacob, my son's dog. So when I'm usually when I you know, but I do you 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 know I do really love 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 animals so yeah you you, people are disappointing me though especially in the last few years my love for
0: animals has has developed (laughs) your love for animals has grown as your love oh it has it's it's the same time as yeah it's kind of what's been going on there's that's that's hilarious and yeah but that's kind of to the point it's like you're surrounded by animals you uh you're around mother nature you have Mm -hmm. a dog you love uh you spend your time talking to people from all walks of life from Dick Cavett to Jason Schwartzman to Tom Noonan, as you mentioned, and mm-hmm. uh, you your work is is watching movies and getting to talk about them. So, I guess my question for you, Adam, is: Can it get any better than this? How do you see your future unfolding? Um. Well, you know, it's it's I I think the thing that
1: would be a little bit more satisfying is creating being more directly creative. And I have a lot of false starts, but you know, with that, I've had some that I've done too, but I, um, I would love to be have a little bit more of direct creative activity in my life. So I don't look at the podcast. It's somewhat creative, but it's, you know, it's not artistically creative. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, well, it, I, I, it, you know what it, I mean? It, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like not you're saying, right? So, yeah. so, for example, I do this and I don't belittle the creativity it takes to make this happen. Right. But it's not the same as me going over here behind me and putting together an arrangement. Mm-hmm. I get a totally different satisfaction. From building a track and making a song and singing on it and, and working through that, that those technical obstacles and artistic and creative obstacles, I get a totally different vibe when I have to sit down and co-write a screenplay with someone or, or it's just a different type of creation, Adam. If that's what you meant, then I totally get that's it. That's what I meant. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I'd like, I'd like just to be able
0: to incorporate more of that
1: as well. You know, it's gratifying.
0: Yeah, so I'd say maybe maybe we have to start by uh, collaborating on a new podcast intro that uh, we just okay. make from the ground up. That way, the kills uh,
1: <laughs> won't totally. have a they case. Me. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. We're, I don't know what they're going to get,
1: but yeah, I that would be fantastic. I would totally be into that.
0: That yeah, that yeah. that would be wonderful. Totally serious. We ought to do it. I, I love okay. doing stuff like that. And, and Adam, I love this conversation. Um, so did I. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that I can see you in person at one of these festivals coming up, whether it be NAF or Memphis, we'll, we'll be at both of those. Or if I can come up north, uh, see uh, you at uh, any of the festivals around uh, in, in Canada and the Northeast, that would be amazing. Uh, I, I would wish you luck, but I know you don't need it. You've been doing this a long time. Uh, Adam, thank you so much, man. Well, thank you, Chris. And give my best to Nicholas, too. I will. I will. I will uh, hit him in the face with a cream pie on your behalf. (laughs) 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 Take care and uh, don't be a stranger. All right. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Talk soon. Okay. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Banzai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore bonsai creative and on Facebook by searching for bonsai creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film and you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at flamingyourheart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Services to explore a variety of offerings, from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, Be engaged and thank you for listening.